Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Get and ready for some awesome. What you guys didn't see is that Jonathan turned to the side and did a full like <laughs> 1990s uh, yell Free right there. Cola. <laughs> there it was. That was a special one. So, yeah, it was. I'm this excited about it. This excited about this awesomeness. To, are you just in the post-Easter uh, malaise exuberance? I don't know what, how you describe your post-Easter malaise. state. Yeah. Look at you. Thesaurus. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to be alive. I'm in Easter tide because Easter's not just a day, Luke. It's season. You know what I heard in a sermon? That the resurrection isn't about a certain time, but a certain person. Oh, there it is. There it is. I'll change that. That's some Church of Christ roots, too. (laughs) No, that's some John's Gospels roots. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Wait, did you preach that sermon? I preached it that one a while ago, but then I did a callback on Easter. Despite because I know everyone's like, "Wait a minute, you said that eighteen months ago in a series on John." Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh yeah, are you? Re- yeah. I think if preachers knew how little parishioners were, how little you know, it's like a it's like a meal each sermon, and you don't remember what you ate six months ago or even six weeks ago, but it feeds you. I I have this somewhat solid story about meeting my in-laws for the first time it's a, it's one of my best stories i've got and i've told it at least three times at west i know and that's, and that's where preachers tend to realize nobody's listening no i it's i this- i don't i did in my focus group last week it was like all core westover people have been here the entire t- just about the entire time and i tell the story they're all laughing and i get down I'm like guys i've told this three times they're like oh i don't remember it's great though tell it again i'm like yeah fine yeah fine but there's always that one person. I'll, I'll get lazier and lazier. <clears throat> I, that, I ultimately only need six sermons because <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to remember them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have your six sermons ranked like you do with your friends? Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually do have favorite sermons. Do you? I have favorite, I mean, things, I, favorite things to preach about. But I, to sound like our shared mentor, I mean, he, he probably claims me more than he claims you, but Rick Atchley, his answer is the sermon I'm most proud of or most excited of is the next one I'm about to preach. Next one? Yeah. 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 I, I know I, I get that too. I also love writing new stuff, and but there are certain ones that I look back on that I'm like super just glad to be associated with. There are some that I look back on and wish... <laughs> Wish I could say you wrote them. <laughs> well, truth be told, most of them I have written. Whether you delivered them well or not is a different story. <clears throat> <laughs> you really want that albatross hanging around your neck? No, I don't that want anything to do. That is some fishy yeah. business. I don't want anything to be with. Let's uh, see what I, I did there. Consider the al- anyway. Oh, gotcha! Nice double entendre Quick. there. Double entendre, Jonathan. Ah, uh, yes. So Easter is good for you. Yeah, it was. It was really good. Uh, we have a new worship minister at Pleasant Valley. Who, K-Dog. How uh, do you know? Do you know Josh? I just told you his name. I went to Harding for one year when he was there. I was And there. you remember it's K-Dog? I mean, I've seen him since then. He was in grad school at ACU when I was there as well. We played oh, basketball right, together. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he's one of my very good friends in life. And, um, you know, he's leading at Pepperdine next week. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to be there, right? 
I am. Is it going to be tough this year because you're actually going to have to carry some of the load yourself and not have me just carry you around like I did in our class the year before? <laughs> I have a different interpretation of our class the year before and who did the carrying of what. Hmm. I mean, I just seem to remember a lot of somebody picked up somebody's slack, but I think we're we're reading that wrong. No, I think you just you just misremembered it. You just misremembered it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, well, Easter was good for you. Glad to hear it. We did um, we did a Monday Thursday service with St. Matthew's on obviously Thursday, and then Friday we did this collective Good Friday service with a bunch of like evangelical low church. So it's nice to have that kind of high church, low church Thursday, Friday kind of. Did you, did you wear like robes and stuff on Thursday? I the last time I preached over there, I got a robe. This time they're like, no, you just wear what you're wearing. I was like, well, I didn't even wear a collared shirt because I thought I was getting a robe. And so I was like, this isn't even my good black V-neck. It was, <laughs> it's like my, like my Tuesday Thanks. black V-necks. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't yeah. the high quality one. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I just wore my usual black on black on black and it was pretty special service though. Cool. I mean, I, I, I wore I the guess. exact same thing the next day as well, if, if you were wondering, but. Yeah. Every, every uh, year at Highland, we had Holy Week lunches where we would do stuff with yeah. The uh, downtown churches and something really cool that has happened for decades in Abilene. And, um, but for the most part, it was I got to have Easter with my family for the That's... first time since college. Wow. So good for you, man. Cool. That's pretty special. Yeah, I think there's something that, that, that each tradition has, like there's a flavor. It's kind of like when you, when you do like a family meal with different families and everyone has their different interpretation of, you know, how the sweet potatoes are supposed to be made, or how turkey's supposed to be made, or the stuffing's supposed to be made. And it's great to get like all the different flavors, or get a taste of different flavors around such a sacred time as Holy Week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of things that are less sacred, there is an Instagram account that I've become recently aware of that I am... I don't say I'm obsessed with it, but I've definitely you, felt... you follow it then? I don't follow. The, this, the Instagram account is Preachers what? and Sneakers. Is that the name? Am I getting it right? Sneak- I'm actually looking it up right now to see what the... I, I don't follow it because I have a friend, Caleb. That's how I found out about it. It was Caleb... Uh, um, Coltenbach? Coltenbach. He's on that? Uh, what no, he's- it's Sneakers and... Oh, nope. There's all kinds of like... Uh, Are there... V- other ones now that's funny i i got a text it probably was a month ago and it was a group text with uh uh three of my friends and one of them who's i I mean annie annie texted me and jonathan merritt and and jason miller and she said check this out and i went i was working out i started looking through it and i was like this is just discouraging because what it does it, it has a picture of a preacher wearing shoes that are hundreds if not thousands of dollars on stage while they're preaching, wearing those expensive shoes. And my first thought was, my goodness, this this just doesn't seem right. Like, it, it doesn't hey, seem right. Uh, your first thought was that, or what, or was it, man, I'd like those shoes? <laughs> uh, you know, I do not actually invest in the sneaker game. Never really have gone that direction. And seeing the pro- I didn't even realize sh- you could spend $1,000 on sneakers. I know, right? Yeah. I, that was my initial thing is like, what, you know, yeah. what shoe store do you go to? What Zappos has, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, the, the, the critique that I've heard is 
obviously one people are saying well that's not actual sticker price for him maybe that's not an actual price that they paid the second one is someone gave him those shoes so it's not a big deal you know here's what i since you already brought up rick actually i will tell you here's what i think every time something like this surfaces uh, when I was first working at the Hills, like two years into working with Rick, he told me about this time when someone in his family offered him a Lexus for a great, great deal. And he could have bought it and it would have been, you know, really great stewardship. And he said something that has stuck with me ever since. He said, but I told them no because it wasn't a good stewardship of my influence. Yeah. And I I love that because I do think he was he was not he was aware of what the criticism cuz he talks a lot about money. Yeah. And he he doesn't talk about money cuz he's trying to get a rich church. He's talking about money cuz he's trying to keep people's soul from going to hell. Oh. And he, he knows the cynicism that pe- that comes with you know having a preacher that talks about money and then he's driving a Lexus. When, so he drives a Jeep Wrangler. When I was an undergrad at, at ACU, there was this interdenominational Bible study, which I, I was a part of and eventually uh, became the speaker at. But the guy before me was a guy named Matt Chandler, who m- most people in the kind of Christian world have heard his, heard his name before. Well, he was, I don't know, try 23, 24, speaking to every like Baptist youth camp and summer camp in the world. And, you know, having this big influence on a lot of people. And he drove this, like, terrible car. Just just junk car. And his wife had, like, a Chevy Blazer or something like that. Some sort of SUV. And so he would drive her car around often if he was going to go, you know, a, a long distance. And someone saw that he had a crappy car. He was making a big difference in a lot of people's lives. They loved him. And they felt God told them to give him a car. So they gave him a BMW. What? Yeah, they gave him a BMW. And so he's... 24 something like that at the time and he says i i don't feel right about driving a bmw similar to what rick was saying but this was like an someone already gave him the title to this car and so i think he asked him but he ends up selling the car and then going and getting this like chevy impala like just a the equip like a a sensible car and so fast forward a decade matt chandler is the pastor of the village huge church 10,000 people are there. Matt gets brain cancer and his story becomes projected all over the world. And there was a news article in which they had like this, you know, personal profile, you know, mega church pastor has brain cancer. Here he is with his family. And in the background, 10 years later is that same Chevy Impala. Ah, ha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I, I do love stories like that because it's real easy to be cynical with show, um, you know sneakers and preachers or whatever. But I know a lot of preachers who aren't doing that. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, I know a lot of preachers who are just humble parents of five children who get their clothes <laughs> at yard sales. And um, but, hold on, but some of those preachers, <laughs> a yard sale is the highest class couture in their county. <laughs> First off, I don't know what a couture is, but <laughs> okay. So uh, about the impulse behind bringing up uh, preachers and sneakers, there's I'll, I'll take the uh, for the critical voice, I'll, and you take you can take the other side. But I actually think Christians should be critiquing each other um, mm-hmm. when it comes to this. I think uh, we we too often are judgmental to the world, 
and we don't turn the eye of like brother sister have you considered yeah. have you considered what Jesus says about being and yeah not everybody needs to look like Saint Francis in your life but does anybody look like Saint Francis in your life yeah you know what I mean yeah. I mean we're our, an American materialistic society at, at some point and this was my this was my take with um, your friends at Hillsong when I wrote that blog on uh, baptizing Justin Bieber um, is just you know what are you inviting people into mm-hmm. and I, I do appreciate people like Hillsong trying to uh, negotiate the tension of celebrity culture with like yeah they do have a section special seating for celebrities and they also have a special seating section for single moms I get that I get that they're trying to you know tug that towards the way of Jesus but at some point I think, <laughs> I think you got to say, does it look like Jesus enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So my first question on, was, but, no, my, my first question was, okay, what do I have in my eye? Before I'm going to start picking out someone's oh, yeah. sawdust, is like I, I feel or like on your foot, huh? Or on your foot? Yeah. Okay. There it was. But those are. With, but that's the, like that. That's the Christian practice of like of having someone yeah, yeah. speak life into yours that things that you aren't aware of that they're bringing into the light. And I think that's there. That's important. And I do think, like, your take is stuck with me, and I hate to say that, but what are you saving people from? If you're speaking into a culture that has been uh, consumed by consumption and you look exactly like that, how are you setting people free if you yourself aren't free from that? And the question for me is, like, what does that mean for me? Like, how how does that present? Now, so one, one flip, like, the idea of someone gave it to you, I, I think that's a terrible argument because someone gave that to you because they're trying to get you to advertise for them. They give you this free uh, stuff because you're going to be on a stage and so you're going to be just another model. And the same way that people send me free books because they want me to talk about them on the podcast. Like it, Nothing is, is free. You're paying for it with your, with your brand, your platform, whatever sort of shallow word you want to use. Like, so I, I don't think the price you paid on it really matters as much as what you're trying, what it communicates to everyone else. Now, the flip, one argument that I do think holds some weight is if they're trying to say that preachers aren't allowed to have nice things, like, I think there's some flaws to that. Like, I think if you, just because you're a preacher doesn't oh, mean yeah, right. you're not allowed That's to have, right. you know, whatever it is. And now I think spending $1,000 on sneakers seems like a stupid thing to do to me. Like, it seems like a terrible investment of $1,000. But if that's your one thing, and oh, yeah, that's true. Obviously, to say right. that, like, there is no possible way where this is okay. Yeah, that's that's a little bit too far for me. But if I wanted to like take Leslie on our 20th anniversary to Italy, for you yeah. know, that that'd be a lot of money, and I could have used that money to do stuff to fight, uh, yeah, to, injustice and other stuff. And ultimately, that can lead to um, a, a world where you don't enjoy God's a life where you don't enjoy God's good world. I think because Jesus is the same person who said to one person, go and sell everything and give it to the poor. And he's also the same person who said, no, she did a beautiful thing by anointing me with this very expensive fragrance and the poor will always be with you. Jesus said both of those things and both of those have a place and there's a voice for both of them. Yeah. Did you read the article in the New York Times? I think I sent you the link, didn't I? I think a couple of people sent it to me. I don't know if I, I read the entire thing. But it was oh, the, the, what impressed me about it was the guy. Um, he's I think he's from Austin, Texas, and he's a Christian. And um, like 
he actually was uh, kind of he 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 felt a little bit uneasy about the account. Like he was he didn't he wasn't like self righteous about it. He was like, I'm not sure that this is a good thing to be doing, but. Um, and then he also wanted to make sure that the person who wrote the article knew he was wearing like some relatively expensive Air Jordans himself. No, like he. The reason he was able to spot like, hey, this is a thing, is because he's kind of a sneaker sneaker guy. head. I believe is the terminology. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Well, I feel like you and I just solved the issue. Congratulations, us. Yep. Welcome, world. Yeah. Now I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know the Shane Claiborne podcast was probably tough for you because you're you love guns so much, and him talking about guns, even if it was you know whatever he was trying to say, because I just see you having pictures of you shooting things all the time online. What it is like? There's a dead turkey that I killed. That is like the only thing I have ever killed, and I've killed a few of them. Okay, well, ma- maybe that was the last thing you, you posted, a and then I unfollowed you. Have you ever hunted? Have I ever oh, hunted? Yeah, okay. And so that's the last time. Have I, you- I have gone hunting a time or two. I have killed a deer one time. Okay, good, because I feel like in order to live in Texas, that's like the price of admission. So my father-in-law, his brother, has a ranch, and we go out there and we're like early... I don't know how long I've been in the family, but it was like early enough where I was still like, I, I can't screw this up. And he says, all right, we're going to go shoot and you're going to, you're going to get a deer. We're going to get you a deer. Okay. Even if it's, you know, whatever, just you're, we're going to get you once end of the season. They need to clear some off the property anyway. So you're going to get one. And he's, he's in there like the deer stand with me. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, just don't cry. Like if you, if you shoot this thing and start crying, it's over. And, and at the time, like I had a dog, like I had a dog that was, 90 pounds and then a dog that actually was at his house it was like 140 pounds and so i'm like these deer are not much different in size than my dog and so i'm going just don't just don't cry just don't cry uh so yeah i have shot and killed and i did not cry um, did you okay and then they said let's go dress it and you probably had a very different expectation in mind for what you were about to do <laughs> he would look great in a polo he would look really nice in a polo <laughs> wait oh gross you got some what are y'all doing <laughs> no that, <clears throat> no i mean it, it's country living out there so <laughs> we yeah yes. okay so that i first off about shane claiborne it's about time i think it's the first time he's been on your podcast right yeah i know i'm to be honest Dude. i i've wanted to have him on before a book about guns probably not would probably would have been my first conversation with him but oh I, yeah, yeah right probably I, I definitely want to talk with him the conversation cool yeah, yeah he was super great like on and off mic he's really great yeah 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 i mean dude do you remember the first time you read irresistible revolution Whew. that rocked my world yeah, that that made a huge impact on me and yeah yeah and then it's like I mean, Jesus becoming president was the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he think about all the ways he's impacted uh, so many of this. The, I mean, it was like Donald Miller, Blue Light Jazz, and then wow, yeah, Irresistible Revolution. And I, I still remember where I was. Let's, uh, when let's, I, and Velvet Elvis and Velvet Elvis. Uh, simple, uh, a new kind of Christianity by Ryan McLaren. Ryan McLaren. Yep, yep. What other ones were? Uh, Just kind of seminal. Yeah, the, do you remember it was yeah. it was back in that day when everybody was calling like 
uh, Mark Driscoll, Erwin McManus, and they emergent. Were all emergent yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then after a few years, we're like, wait, these are not like There's, each other. The only consistent thing, consistent thing they had was they were young, and Erwin is yeah. not that as young as you think. And he they is. like the name Mars Hill Bible Church. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, a Barbarian Way was another one that was a hmm. uh, it, maybe not as influential as a Velvet Elvis or something like that. But I would add uh, Yancey's "The Jesus I Never Knew." Oh yeah, but he was he was like the uh, bef- before any of those guys because he that's like uh, early nineties. Oh, is it really? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I read that in college and it had been out for a few years. Ditto. And also, what's so amazing about Grace? Yeah, yeah. So. All that to say, man, I'm glad you had him on, and I appreciated, I, I thought, okay, first off, when I was listening to the podcast, I thought, man, why couldn't you have done this on some other month besides turkey hunting? <laughs> As this month, I have shot a lot, and I've actually held an AR-15 and gone hunting with it. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Hunting with an AR-15? So, yes, um, because... We were out in a ranch in Texas, and uh, one morning we saw like ten coyotes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, part of the part of the problem with kind of painting and everything with guns are bad, and yeah, uh, is like I know a lot of ranchers, and you do too, in which they have like wild hog problems. Yes, and AR-15s are when I think of. When I think of guns, I I have never in my life immediately thought of guns for uh, violence towards humans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's been it's been like you know we live out we just moved back out into the country, and the very property that we are on. When I was a kid, we had a bear wander up into our yard. <laughs> Um, where I lived in Ohio, we could see one neighbor during the winter when all the trees were dead. The rest is just open country. And like my, my brother had guns in his room. My parents had guns. I I mean, I never really got one. I just wasn't interested, but like you, you have to have one if you live out in the country. Like you just, yeah, you you have a gun. No, you don't own a gun. You said you didn't own a gun. (laughs) I've got two guns. (laughs) <laughs> that Lucas. <laughs> oh, nice. That's, is the one on the left much smaller than the one on the right? It looks disproportional. First of all, that was a well played joke because you know that will bother me. <laughs> second of all, <clears throat> second of all, no, it's not. I measure. Every, so are you leaning? Every are you leaning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, I don't. I don't have a gun, and whatever, whatever. So yeah, I, I, that's my concern of painting guns as everyone's impulse is to have him to kill people. And I think he's, he tells an, a very important story about the mythology of guns and our attitude towards violence and especially the way that our fear and hatred towards the other has propelled gun ownership uh, and mm-hmm. how, actually, not gun ownership, but the, the, sell, the, the business of guns has definitely leaned upon that. But, and, and I think I said the same, it was like, but I know so many people who I I read everything you're saying, and then I see the way that they act towards guns. I'm going, this is very different. It's two different yeah. things. And my best friend in the world has a hunting show, and um, he he's been <laughs> he owns. Is probably, it a hunting or is it a hunting? 
uh, I live in Arkansas now. It's a hunting show. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I've gone native. I've gone back to my roots. Uh, there are no G's yeah, in Arkansas. It's true, there's not. Um, he, he's he got dozens of guns. He's huge on gun safety. He would never, I mean, he's always hunting, living out in the country. Um, he's big on guns, and he has been shot twice. Like, like on purpose? Yeah. No, no. Like hunting accidents. Accident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I, I think one of the things that Shane points to is if you have guns around you, not only is suicide far more susceptible to you, yeah. but I mean, there are accidents that happen with guns and uh, firsthand they've influ- impacted people around me, gun accidents. And it, yes, that is part of it. Um, yeah. So, but, that, but I wasn't saying that to say like, you know, my best friend Bub is like blind to this. I'm saying in spite of, cause that happened when he was a teenager, he's still been, you know, I weigh the risk and, Bob always says this. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard the when, like gun, when gun people talk about whenever people would say guns kill people, he would say, and spoons make people fat. Yeah. Like, have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's all these sort of like everyone has their anecdotal little you know yeah, story yeah, yeah. about oh it's good, it's bad, it's this and that. Like we're talking around okay the issue. So here's what changed my mind. Here, there's, there are a couple things that Shane said that changed my mind, which I think is when you when you talk about hot button issues like this, you want not to preach to the choir. Yeah. His thing on Dr. King used to have a gun. Yep. And gave it up. I, I kind of connect that to uh, Rick not buying the Lexus. Does that make sense? Yep. I, I think I... Uh, I, I anyway, I, that that was one of the most compelling things that Shane said. Yeah. In the the problem is we're going to have to. I would say we have to do something, but there are so oh, many yeah. school shootings, that, and and nothing has happened in my opinion. And I don't. You're right. I don't pretend to know what the we have to do is. If, is it getting rid of all guns like other countries have? Is it outlawing? Uh, "Quote unquote" mm-hmm. assault rifles. Is it getting armed secure more armed security people at schools? I don't know what the answer is, but we really haven't done anything as a country. And I would love for Christianity to be a voice that's pushing this argument forward and mm-hmm. ha- having healthy dialogue about it because people get so uptight about guns. Yeah, it's just like you you, you can't have this conversation I, civilly. I feel you remember you remember when Obama said that unfortunate comment a few years ago about hillbillies are clinging to their Bibles and their guns. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you remember that? No, I don't remember. I assume it was right... I mean, it was... Was that right it before... It was very out of character was for it, Obama. Was it, like, right before he came out with, like, a picture of him hunting with a shotgun? It was, like... That was PR <laughs> no. right after? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have no idea if that actually went together, but it wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, so hillbillies cling to their Bible but, and their, their gun. And, uh, I mean, it was unfortunate and uncharacteristic. It's offensive, kind yeah. of... Yeah, very offensive, especially because I know all those people. I mean, um, I think part of the problem in the progressive kind of uh, conservative groupthink is what people think of when they think of guns, you know, and and what people who own guns and, you know, are hunters and, and live in the rural areas of the country, 
think of when they think of people who are trying to talk about gun control is that there's there's this kind of uh, talking past each other. Uh, the people in New York City do not understand what it's like to live in Benton, Arkansas, and and I I think so. I think any I, there's a chance that between now Thursday, April twenty fifth, and whenever you post this at the end of the month, there's a school shooting. I mean, the way things go... The math is not in our favor for that to not happen. And I, I think we've obviously got to make some le- legislative changes. And the ones that Shane was proposing were not um, awful. I, you know, that, they're common sense. The idea that if you've committed domestic violence, you're more likely to kill your spouse. You shouldn't have a gun. If you're on a terrorist watch list... You, or no fly zone. You should. I, I don't know how people don't go. Yeah, like that. That's not rocket science. You should not buy more than one handgun per month. <laughs> I, I mean, I get like. I don't understand that. Like that one is. It only takes one handgun to kill someone. It's not like if you only give them twelve. I, I don't understand that one as much to me. I, it seems ridiculous to have that many guns. But what is the difference if I have two guns in my house or if I have twenty? I mean. If you're going to do a terrible thing, you ha- I don't know. Here's the th- that's the point though. Like, there's some stuff that makes a whole lot of sense. That makes a whole lot of sense to you. Is you shouldn't have more than one a month. Shane said that. I, I don't know. I, it's but some kind of I, I, I think the way Christianity and church and Jesus people can help lead the way is one almost do what BBT talks about with uh, world religion stuff. Mm-hmm. Is like. Why don't you talk to somebody who's not a like talk to somebody who is a hunter and you know if you're if you're if you if you're afraid of uh, I'm, I'm not saying no, this you're, well but but that's your point like you can't have someone who lives in New York City that has never been to the country say this is exactly what every American has in mind when they have a gun and this is what it looks like right. for the it's not like you can't say. And, and it, I think cities being well regulated on like, uh, although I guess the argument is Chicago because Chicago has like very strict gun laws, but is also very violent, right? And that the I, kind of pushback to city I, regulations. I have heard that. I don't have any expertise on it, but yes, I feel like I've heard that said. In Texas, well, you know, a couple of years ago, they made it legal to where you can basically carry a shotgun into. Any building you want to uh, open carry, right? Yeah, yeah, that. Um, yeah, I can't imagine that uh, being seen as a great idea. But <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, there. The church needs to be able to have a voice of peace and listening, and I think you know BBT is a great example, and that probably is a good good time for us to transition to her anyway. That we need to do better than what we're doing right now. And yeah, no kidding. And and by the way, I do think uh, you know things like legislation and limitations on certain uh, gun stuff is is reasonable. And I, I just, I mean, part of part of my challenge is I want people to understand the people that are in my life that I know and love who hate school shootings as much as anybody, and they're not in the pockets of the NRA. They they don't agree with. You know, half of the stuff that's being said on behalf of gun culture, but they they want to be able to kill a coyote. 
you know, before it yeah. eats their chickens and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and, and maybe the language of you would rather have a gun and have a school shooting happen than give up your gun so school shootings stop happening. That sort of language probably isn't going to help the conversation that it's that sort of black and white either or. It'll stop. It'll stop. Um, it won't. It won't. If your goal is to change certain people's minds, yeah. and these are not demons. Yeah. These are not demonic people. These are people who love kids and don't want school shootings to happen. Yeah, obviously. Um, okay. You know what we do want to have happen? Barbara Brown Taylor on the podcast the fourth time. We want that to happen again because she's outstanding. Third time she was on was a few weeks ago. And I mean, I don't know if you heard her say this, but at one point she said, Luke, since you and I are such good friends, you and, and I, I figured Luke as you go to sleep at night. I mean, no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, is it my cell phone ringer? Yeah. Yes, but I wouldn't like. <laughs> That's good. That's good. The Richard Roar. And she complimented your sense of humor. I, yeah, someone on Twitter. But she was a little bit. Uh, she was a little bit spunker with you this time. Well, you know, like. Uh, yeah, I guess she called she me. Had, she, she also called me an idiot. So, truth be told, that did happen yeah. as well. <laughs> so. That's on my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> you got Barbara. Yeah, that is that would be a solid. Now she's outstanding. She's uh, she's yeah so good. Uh, what did so you? Your background, when you were in what grade that you had an exchange student at your house? Oh, uh, I don't, we're homeschooled, so we don't do grade <laughs> as much as, <laughs> I didn't, I really did, man. I mean, I think I was like 13, 14, you <laughs> whatever the normal. <laughs> you didn't have grades at your school. So you were 13 and the exchange student was? Simron. Have you met him? Did you ever meet Sim? No, I've never met Sim. He, he was just in uh, in town in Arkansas. Came like my third week, or no, I guess it was the like second month preaching at Pleasant Valley. And then all of a sudden there's this guy on the third row with a big turban from India, and he's calling me brother everywhere. Uh, and so people who already don't know what to think about me are <laughs> even a little bit more. Well, this is worse than we thought, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, and and so his, but he's great. And his religion is he's, he's a Sikh. He's a Sikh. Sikh yeah. Uh, and so you live for a while with a Sikh while you're growing up, and in some ways, yeah. there was this sort of interaction that it was normal to have someone from a different religion around you growing up. And as you hear BBT talking. Anything from that jump jump out about your experience growing up with him? Oh yeah, I, I definitely I definitely thought about that. Um, a couple of things. One, I am I am you know I did I did try to evangelize Simran. I I still would love for Simran to become a Christian, and I don't mean an American cultural Christian. I mean like a follower of Jesus, and I don't think that means he has to lose every part of his cultural identity. Um, but I. I do, you know, in that way, I'm more exclusive on on world religion stuff. But I will tell you this. Um, growing up with Simron, and I, I got to watch my parents, these conservative Church of Christ people who don't, you know, think all the, who think all the things that a conservative group of Christians from Arkansas would think. I got to see them go out of love for Simron 
to a Sikh temple in Dallas. Really? <laughs> my dad, uh, Cletus, my dad Cletus, <laughs> put on a turban. <laughs> and, you know, the only time I think a Cletus has ever worn a Sikh <laughs> turban in and um, you know, do the do the stuff with him because they loved him. And Simran knew that. And I, uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this before. At one point, I took when I was at um, the Hills College Minister, we went and worked with this orphanage in southern India. And Simran is a pilot for Air India, so he just flies in to see us and hang out with us. And he takes all like twenty college students to do something in Chennai, like fun on a fun day and at one point his wife is asking uh asking about christianity and and jesus stuff and simron tells uh tells him oh no they they definitely wanted me to be jesus be a christian but they loved me more than they loved their ideas about Hmm. religion and that's sweet um i actually think that was an outflow of our faith you know so yeah that's a great story yeah and i feel like that's the the best of what you know bbt was talking about is that and this is either and i just got confused again i think it was the dalai lama who was talking to someone who's a jewish person dalai lama gandhi bbt we they're the same thing to me um that you learn about other religions that you can be the best jewish person that you can be and the advice that he was given is you, you learn about Islam, you learn about Hindu, so that in turn you can learn to be the best version of yourself. And there's that attitude, which is these conversations are only going to help me out. These conversations are only going to make me grow. In the same way that if someone creates an Instagram account questioning the materialism of a follower of Jesus, it gives them a chance to go, maybe I do need to inspect this. In the same mm-hmm. way that a conversation with someone from a different faith can go, this is going to make me inspect my own faith and help me understand more about who I am and what I truly believe. Whereas the other attitude is this defensive position, which goes, if you ask me any question, you know, my faith can fall apart. And all of a sudden, you know, I don't know what I believe anymore. Uh, yeah. I actually love the questions that Barbara Brown Taylor, uh, gave you on, uh, what do you like about who you are? Um, what do you wish was different? I can't remember the third one, but I, I remember thinking all three of those were helpful tools. Do you remember Monty Cox at Harding? Yeah. You know, like he, his most pop, probably the most popular class at Harding is Living World Religions class because he mm. loads everybody up in a bus, takes them to Chicago, they go to the Saint Temple, a Muslim mosque, uh, and visit with. Um, all these different kind of leaders that give the best version of their faith. Cause he's, I mean, Dallas Willard has that thing where he says in a pluralistic world, religion will be judged by how good it is for the people that don't adhere to it. Hmm. And, you know, I think, I actually think this is one of the reasons I, I, I think Jesus, the Christianity is such a good, that me believing in Christianity is good for people, even if they don't believe it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, that's good. One of the things that she talks about is what uh, what she calls the the yikes response, where something's just different, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, in some ways, it's like the um, oh Beck talks about this with the um, like the gag reflex, purity. yeah, the purity. Like when things are different, we naturally just want to like push away from it, and not all mm-hmm. of those are like 
needed to be listened to and adhered to. Like not all those are really worth following, but they don't they don't get deconstructed unless you are in those conversations where you actually get the best of someone else's religion. And her, her um, oh, the guy used to be at. Um, is it Yale or wherever the other one that she was not at Princeton or whatever, who said that you need to hear about another religion, not from someone who hates it, but someone who is like a, a strong advocate. And so much of what oh, we yeah. hear about other religions comes from people who are not adherents, who are not giving the best picture. And I wouldn't want someone to do that in my religion. So it sure seems like that's not something I should do to someone else's religion. Sure. They could, you know, can you imagine somebody standing up and saying, this is a, uh, a KKK Grand Dragon, and he's going to, you know, yeah. he's the example of Christianity for, you know, people in Southeast Asia. Can you imagine? Because <laughs> you know that's happened. By- like, that is that has definitely happened. And if you're going to have the attitude that we've had about other people's religions towards us, like that, I mm-hmm. mean, that's fair. Like, that's what we've done for others' religions as well. So, uh, this last Sunday, when the... Uh, bombs went off for Easter worshipers, which I understand is like a thing. <laughs> That's a thing, right? Is that like a controversial I don't know. I've seen people say I, that. I don't like I, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't understand either. Uh but uh, people uh, the couple of paragraphs I read on that was confusing. Anyway Maybe there's something in I, two Corinthians about how you're not supposed to call them that. <laughs> I like I like us speaking in dog whistles. <laughs> So uh, let's do better, people. You know, like, uh, Leslie and I went to Sri Lanka, and we worked with Christians in Sri Lanka. Um, and while we were there, um, in the southeastern part where the tsunami was, out in the rural parts, the village was all Muslim. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Buddhist, um, but it was a certain kind of Buddhism, and it was very insular and antagonistic to the small group of Christians there Hmm. Um, so that they were telling us stories and we were, we were some of the stuff that we were seeing was really really bad. They're like, wait a second, you guys are Buddhist because Buddhism is not this (laughs) because it was violent and um, there was some death. Um, sexual assault, things like that. And all that to say, uh, you know, and then the, I, I listened to this, that podcast after the Sri Lankan bombings that were coming from not Buddhist, but uh, apparently ISIS has taken for this, but it's targeted towards Christians. I do think applying the golden rule to things like uh, in my minority places, like right now there are some Hindus and Sikhs that live in Little Rock. Um, I would like to treat them the way I would like my brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka to be treated as a minority in that culture. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's only fair. And obviously, that's Jesus 101. Do it to others as you have them do it to you. I mean, that's that's just basic Christianity. We should definitely be doing that. So, yeah, BBT, as always, point us in the right direction. Because, you know, she and I are such good friends. Of course I would say that. She knew that. She knew that. That was actually the, the next right thing. Oh, <laughs> see what you're doing there. The right direction, the, the next right thing to do. Yeah. So, uh, you're, uh, you don't know who, what American doctors got Ebola. I do. That's what I learned from that podcast. She didn't. I did. 
No, you didn't, because she said Nancy, and you're like, oh, was that was that the other oh. person? Yes, it was the other person. There are two American doctors who have gotten Ebola, and you went to school with one of them, and the person he saved her life, you were like, I, I don't know. Hey, hey, only one of them bought a copy of my book, and so I remembered <laughs> that person's name even if <laughs> what are the, okay hold on she said nancy something and you were like maybe i don't know i, I didn't want to act like i was a definitive source on ebola like i guess you are so yeah okay yeah fine fine okay it must be nice being the ebola expert i gladly accept that title thank you for conferring it on me um, you're welcome you know so emily p freeman was on the podcast and her stuff about making the right decision like we, we had this conversation with John Ortberg uh, months, years, whatever ago with when his last book came out and his stuff about, you know, God doesn't care about uh, where you go as much as he cares about who you like, who you are, wherever you go. And I like that. I've mm-hmm. said that multiple times. and I ripped it off from him or someone else. But one of the things I've never said before is that when you view God as though God is waiting for you to go through this like one singular right door, that makes God out to be like this carnival trickster who's trying to like hope that you're going to get the right one. And it kind of creates this like very mm. terrifying picture of who God is. If God is only going to give you one good thing, only one good option, but God isn't going to tell you with certainty exactly what that is. Like that's, that's not a very pic- like a beautiful picture of what God is. I, yeah, I, the way I've always experienced it is um, through like working with young adults and their anxiety of what is God's will for my life. I don't think they yeah. would say it like the way Emily P. Freeman, is that what, is that the way we refer to her, Emily P. Freeman. You don't want to say her name? Like, what do you want to call her? Like, Orange? Or, like, Wind? What? I feel like her name is probably the best <laughs> thing to call her. I don't... Okay, so, I haven't heard it described the way Emily did, but it's been more like, what's God's will for my life? And you get kind of analysis paralysis, and, you know, underneath it is an instinct that wants to honor God, but it can... Um, diminish human responsibility maybe yeah. i don't know yeah yeah well maybe for them the next right thing is to go read emily p's book that'll fix it for them yeah. jonathan uh so this podcast will come out and then just a few days after you will be at pepperdine doing your lecturing and i hope it uh goes well for you i really do thanks yeah you as well yeah you as well Duke. what are you talking on uh this uh this book that came out a few months ago I've heard some good stuff about it. Is it Emily P. Freeman's book on making the right decision? No. No, but the right decision would be to talk about this book over that book. (laughs) 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 All right. All right. That's a good way to get the podcast guest to dry up. No, I really appreciate what y'all did talking about your stuff, but my book is superior. So, what, I, w- <laughs> I I feel like I gave a plug for my book before one of the podcast guests, and I felt like I was doing that. You did, you did. Were, were they in the room? No, they weren't. I did that afterwards, but it kind of does feel a little dirty to do that. But I haven't. I think it was Barbara Matt Taylor. It was BBT. That's who it was. She. Hey, all you new people coming because you googled BBT's name and saw an interview. <laughs> Just want to let you know, I uh, I also have written books. Yeah, and I um, I watch Oprah, <laughs> and <laughs> so. I've been a New York Times best purchaser 
of their newspaper. <laughs> so it's basically the same thing. Anyway, you know what? Yeah. Some of us are proud of the work that we've done, and we want to share it with others because we think it would be uh, a, 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 an encouragement, a blessing to them. And maybe that's why we talk about You know about what? It. Sermon that I'm preaching this Sunday, I uh, got out your book when I was writing it a couple of weeks ago. I dusted off the cobweb. <laughs> And I tried to flip through all the scribbled out marks that I had done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, and this is wrong because I was talking about expectations of God. <sighs> lo and behold, lo and behold, uh, yeah, good for you. It's a good book. It's a good book. The class is doubtful, <laughs> but the book is. <laughs> I mean, I'm just you know keeping it real with like presentation skills. People listening on here, they obviously okay. had to figure that out. All right, wrap it up. You're, you're a great writer. Let's do the. You're the writer. Wrap it up. You're a good writer. Wrap it up. Okay, Jonathan. So let me talk to talk to you about my hair for a second. I haven't cut my hair in about six months, and someone recently came up to me and said, "You know, your hair is getting longer. You you look more like an author now." And I thought. I feel like being told you sound like an author or you write like an author, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Authors are people who like don't get no. out in the sun a lot. <laughs> it's not a compliment. Not a compliment. Yeah, that's, that's like right. you got a face for radio. So thank you for that comment as well. Okay, Jonathan. Um, good stuff. Yep. Well done. It was a good month. What's coming up next? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got some ideas uh, for a round table or two. With uh, that, uh, that's going to hopefully happen out in Malibu, and I don't know if you're going to be invited or not. You're on this enough. And then I've got uh, the Bishop Michael Curry from the Episcopal Church. The what is his name? The presiding bishop, the guy who did the royal yeah. wedding. He's going to be at our church doing a um, ordination for. Wait, no, the guy who did the royal. Yeah, like just like yes, a year or two ago. That's who you're thinking of. Yeah. He's going to be at our church. Oh, how, how does that matter to me? I need to do some real deep heart check work, but that matters to me at all. Yeah. The fact that he was the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, not as important. But the fact that he did Prince yeah. William Edward? Prince? Sure. What's his name? Kate. Kate. I know Princess Kate. Princess Diana. No, Probably not her wedding. Uh, yep, someone's, her. I don't know. Anyway. He's going to be at the building doing something, so we're going to do a podcast. I don't know if that goes out next month or when it is. That might not be next month. Anyway, there, there's going to be something for you next month. Okay. Thanks for the very clear expectations I, for what to look forward to. The round table and a guy who did a royal wedding. Oh, it's good. You know, I'm Jonathan, why don't you start your own podcast, and then you can promote it however, however you want. I've thought about it so many times. Yeah. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.